0: so good to worship with you guys on this cool Sunday morning. And if you're new to our church, welcome to Fort Caroline. I'm Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here. And you're joining us at the end of a sermon series called All In. This month, we've been challenging our congregation. Go all in with Jesus through faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, but also through faithfulness to his church that he is building right here in this community. Or if you live in a different community, find the church where you can go all in with Christ. And uh, all the other messages are on our website or YouTube, and uh, you can follow them there. But today, I want to close out our series with a, a message I'm just going to call, Come Sit With Me. What do you see when you see an empty chair? The other night I was sitting uh, at our breakfast table and I, I, I just was thinking about how that it used to be that all five chairs around that table were filled for family meals. But on that night there was a chair that was empty. And the chair is empty because our oldest has grown and gone. He's, he's moved out. He's on his own. He'll be getting married this year. And as I looked at an empty chair while I miss him, I'm also proud of him. That's what parents are here for. We're here to raise our children up so that they can be independent and one day move out, right? <laughs> and so when I see an empty chair at home, I'm proud of that. But what about you? Whenever you look around your home and you see an empty chair that was once occupied, what do you see there? For some of you, maybe you see an empty chair that was once filled with a a child who's now grown up and gone to college. Or maybe you see a chair that is now empty and that child has grown up and gotten married and started a family of their own. Or maybe as you gather for a meal, there's an empty chair because one of your family members is sick and they're in bed and they're not able to come to dinner. Or perhaps you look at an empty chair and it was once occupied by someone who has now gone to be with Jesus. And they're with him in heaven. And you think about them every time you see that empty chair. Let me ask you a similar question, though. What do you see when you see an empty chair at church? What do you see when you see an empty chair at church? Maybe as you look around this room and you see several empty chairs, you think about a church member who was so faithful, but now she's in a nursing home and she's not able to attend in-person services any longer. Or maybe you think about that person who used to sit there, but now they're deployed with the United States Navy, serving our country, and we're proud of them. Or maybe you see an empty chair and it reminds you of a family that has moved to a different city because of a new job opportunity. And yes, as I, as your pastor, look around the room and I see empty chairs, I often think about church members who have passed on and are now seated at God's great banquet table in heaven. But you know what else I see when I see an empty chair? I see an opportunity. An empty chair is an opportunity. Perhaps whenever we look around the room and on a Sunday morning we see an empty chair, our first thought is, ooh, more room for me. I get to spread out. I get to have a little more extra space for myself today. Perhaps you saw that news article just a week or so ago of a man named Kai Forsythe He was flying from London, England to Orlando, Florida on a British Airways flight, and he posted a TikTok video that you can see when he discovered he had the whole plane to himself. No other passengers on this passenger jet. He said that the the staff brought all of the food and said, no one else is here to eat it. You can have as much as you want. He spread out across multiple chairs and made himself a makeshift bed for that many hours flight from London to Orlando. And maybe like him, you come to church and you've got a little space and you go, this is awesome. I can stretch out. I can spread out. While I can understand Kai's excitement, I don't want to be selfish when it comes to church when there are so many people around us who have never heard Jesus Christ love and his grace and the forgiveness and eternal life that is available to him. So when I look at an empty chair, I also see a missed opportunity. An empty chair is not just an opportunity, it is a missed opportunity if we are not taking advantage of the relationships of our lives to invite someone, come sit with me, come sit with me. An empty chair is a missed opportunity because I'm under the conviction that these seats in the auditorium don't need to hear a message from God. I'm under the belief that these seats don't need the grace of God. They don't need the love of Jesus Christ through a local church family. They don't need the hope and the healing that is available through Christ. These empty seats don't need it, but we do. And people do, and our neighbors do, and our family members do, and your grandchildren do. And that's why we ought to invite them to come. Every empty seat is a missed opportunity for a child or a student or a teenager to learn that God is real and he created them and he loves them and he has a purpose and a plan for their life. Every empty seat is a missed opportunity for a husband and a wife to find hope and healing for their marriage that is struggling. Every empty chair is a missed opportunity for that person struggling with addiction to discover they're not alone in their struggle and that God is with them and there are other people a little farther down the journey who can be there to help them and encourage them. And certainly an empty seat is a missed opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone who is far from God so that they can be saved from their sin and brought into the family of God. There are people all around this church building who need to know about the love of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his willingness to come into their life with his grace and mercy. But an empty chair is a missed opportunity if we're not constantly inviting someone. Come, sit with me. Whenever you came in today, in your seat, there was this bookmark and a prayer card. It's titled, Who's Your One? I want you to find that, and I want you to hang on to it, because later in the service, you're going to need that. You'll also need a pen or a pencil, but uh, just hang on to that, because I want to ask you to think about that one person that God could use you to invest in their life and invite them to our church. So be thinking about that. But in the meantime, I want to take you to a New Testament story of the life of Jesus where Jesus was confronted with some empty seats. We're going to go today to Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 16. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. I'll even put the words on the screen today um, because this is often called the parable of the great banquet. But Luke chapter 14 beginning with verse 16 could also be called the parable of the empty seats. Here's what we read. Luke 14 verse 16. But he said to him, this is Jesus, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Look at verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Verse 22, and the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. Verse 23 And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. This is often called the parable of the great banquet. And in this parable, Jesus is comparing God's kingdom to a great banquet. God himself is the host. God himself has spared no expense to put on a party that is the not-to-be-missed event of the year. And the host says to his servants, now that we've got everything ready, the food, the wine, all of the the hors d'oeuvres, all of the seating, all of the music, all of the entertainment is ready. You go out and you invite those people to come. And then one by one, when the RSVPs start coming in, people are begging to be excused from this gracious banquet to which they've been invited. And as you heard, they had flimsy excuses. I bought some ox and I need to go see them? Really? So that's more important than coming to this illustrious event with this grand host who has graciously invited you? That's... That's just an excuse. In fact, we see three of those excuses. And here's what I know about my own life, and you've experienced this personally. When you don't want to do something, any excuse will do. When you just don't want to do it, any excuse will do. And these people just did not want to come. And the king is angry, he cannot fathom empty seats at his banquet. So he says to his servants, you go out and you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame. You invite everyone. I want people to know that my banquet is open to all people. If those won't come, I'll find people who will because everyone is invited. And the servants say, we've done that. And there are still empty seats. And so he says, you go out into the hedges and the highways you go out into the alleyways in the back corners, and you find anybody you can to invite them to come to this banquet because he could not fathom empty seats. Listen, Jesus is actually telling this parable while he is seated at a banquet. That's the context of this parable Jesus tells A Pharisee who was a religious leader in Jesus' day among the Jews has invited Jesus along with other uppity-ups in his community to this grand party. And you didn't just walk into the Pharisee's home. You had to be invited to this kind of gathering. And they've invited Jesus not because the Pharisee loves Jesus and appreciates his ministry, not because he admires the popularity Jesus has with the common folk, No, he's brought him there so he can hopefully trap Jesus into a controversy that will decimate his popularity among the common people. Sometimes preachers and religious people can get jealous if somebody is liked more than they are. And that's what's happening with these Pharisees. This Pharisee is trying to bring Jesus down a notch, embarrass him in front of his crowd and his guests. And Jesus is telling this parable. Because he's saying to this Pharisee, of all people who ought to recognize the gracious call of God into God's kingdom through me, the Messiah, it ought to be you. But instead of accepting God's invitation to trust me as your Lord and Savior, you've rejected me. But that's okay. God's got a lot of room in his kingdom. And that's why Jesus goes to the poor, the adulteress. The leprous, the outcast, the down and out, the tax collectors, the political zealots. That's why Jesus went to the people that the religious establishment had written off as nobodies. Jesus is saying, God's kingdom is open to all kinds of people. And if you won't come, there are many that will. And by the way, aren't you grateful today that God's kingdom is still open to all kinds of people? Aren't you grateful that God's kingdom isn't just open to people who have a, a beautiful spiritual resume that they can present to God. God's kingdom is open to all kinds of people, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter your flaws, no matter your sin, your temptations, your struggles, your hurts or your hang-ups. God throws wide open his doors and he says, all are welcome at my banquet table of grace and mercy and love. And that is why Jesus tells this parable. Because God's kingdom is open. God has spared no expense through even the death of his own son on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection to make it possible for us to come into the kingdom of God and to accept that wonderful invitation. You know, the Bible also talks about at the end of time, Jesus Christ will return. We don't know when that is. If anyone ever starts setting dates, run from that person. When Jesus was asked about, is it now time for the kingdom to come? He said, that's none of your business. That's in the Father's hands. You go and be witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. No, we don't know exactly when Christ is coming back, but he's coming back, the Bible says. A second time, not for sin unto salvation. He's already paid the price for salvation. He's coming back the second time to rule and to reign in righteousness. God's kingdom that is broken through in this world through Jesus will one day break through in totality as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords rules and reigns and every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord And the Bible says when that day comes, God's going to have a great banquet. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb of God, where all who have been redeemed by God's grace get to come to this table and worship Christ and fellowship with one another. And the Bible says there will be people from every nation, every tongue, every tribe represented at that great banquet. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, That is already on your agenda. It's already on your schedule. You don't know what date it is, but that day is coming. And the reason I believe that day is coming, because of Jesus who promised, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And he says, if it weren't so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if Jesus could pull off his own death, burial, and resurrection, I'm just going to believe anything else he says. And he says one day he's coming back. But while we look forward with anticipation to that great banquet that is yet to come, did you know that we host little mini banquets down here in the meantime? Little microcosms of heaven on earth. is called church. It's called worship. When we gather together every Sunday for worship, it is a mini banquet of God's kingdom where we come together, not because of who we are or what we've done or our spiritual resume, but because we've been invited by God's grace into his presence through Jesus and we come to worship him. We come to celebrate him. It is a banquet of feasting on his word. It is a banquet of learning more about our gracious host. It is a banquet of fellowshipping together around his table with the bread and the wine of communion. It is a banquet of music and joy. It is a banquet where we celebrate our great king, our great host. And if that doesn't excite you whenever you gather for church, then maybe we've made church services less than what God intended them to be. It's not about being a show and you being a music critic or being a, a, a person who says, oh, I would rate that a 6 out of 10. The other church I went to, they were an 8th. North Caroline needs to step up its game. If that's what it has become, we have missed the heart of God. The heart of God is he's thrown open wide the doors to his kingdom. All are welcome and we come to celebrate him in his grace and his mercy. Sometimes whenever we gather for worship, after the service someone will come up to me and they will make a statement like this, I sure wish so-and-so would have been here. That song would have touched her heart. Or they'll say to me, oh, I wish so-and-so would have been here to hear that sermon. That's exactly what he's struggling with. That would have been so helpful for him to hear. Or I sure wish my teenager would have come to church today because he's wrestling with, is God real? And if he'd have been here, I think it would have helped him. And you know, I love that when people tell me that because it tells me people take what we do here Personally, and it tells me they're sensitive to people in their lives who need the hope of Jesus and who need what God is doing in the life of this church. But I also love it whenever people say, Pastor, please pray. I've invited someone and I hope they come today. That happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Chuck Pittman pulled me aside and, he's, and he texted me and then he pulled me aside at church and he says, hey man, I've been working on this lady. She's really struggling. Uh, she needs Jesus in her life. I've witnessed to her. I was praying with her. I've, I've shared my story, but I've invited her to church. And would you pray she comes? I, I just wanted you to know she's coming today. At least that's what she said. She said. And I looked at Chuck and I said, let's just be honest, Chuck. Here's what you're saying. Ricky, I've invested a lot in this person. I've been working hard to get them in the doors of this church. Don't mess it up. That's what you're saying. He said, well, yeah, kind (laughs) of. I hope you're on your game today. I hope that everything points to Jesus today. And I just wanted you to know my friend's coming. Now, sadly, his friend didn't come that day and he was so disappointed. But he told me last week, he said, we're still working on her. In other words... Stay on your game. You' never know when she could be in the door. In one of these seats but let's just be honest, you all know, without me having to say it, anything good that happens in and through this place, any life change that is worth celebrating, any soul that has changed, we give all praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Amen. It is not music, it is not me. It is the fact that we are in the presence of Jesus and he works powerfully and mysteriously through the body of Christ that he has formed called the church and it is Jesus that we want people to meet. So, while I love it when we say, "Oh, I sure wish so and so would have been here." Let's go beyond wishing to inviting. Let's go beyond wishing to inviting. Who is it that you could invite to sit with you? Who is it that needs Jesus in their life? God's kingdom is open to them. Black and white. Anglo-Hispanic. English-speaking, Spanish-speaking, Haitian. Open to Republicans and Democrats. Open to, believe it or not, open to rich <laughs> And poor, open to all kinds of people. Those who are saved and those who are not even sure if God is real. God's doors are open to all kinds of people. All the way to Florida Gator fans and even Alabama fans. God's <laughs> kingdom is open. I should have said Georgia fans, right, Georgia? I yeah. should have said Georgia fans, yeah. Yeah. Who is it in your life that you need to stop wishing they would come and start inviting them? Come, sit with me. That's why I asked you to find this card, this Who's Your One card. There's a place, actually two places there for you to write that name of whoever that person is that you will pray for and you will invite to sit with you. This is a bookmark, but there's also a part of it that's perforated that you can tear off and leave at the back on one of those black bistro tables. Because I'm going to pray over each and every single name that you write down. You don't have to write your name. Just write that person's name down that you're going to pray that God gives you a chance to invest in them. We talked about it last week. Bless them. Begin with prayer. Listen with care. Eat together. Serve them with love. And then share your story. But I also want you to write down that name of the person you're going to invite. Come sit with me. Come sit with me. So you keep this part for yourself. There's a place to write their name. And then even a 30-day prayer guide that'll help you how to pray for them for 30 days. And then leave this at the back on one of those black bistro tables so that I can join you in prayer. And I'm gonna pray over every single name that God works in their life through you and your personal invitation. I want you to do a couple of things, though, to make this message personal and practical I need you to do two things. First of all, I need you to take your seat. Every week you need to be here if you're able to be here. And aren't you grateful we have an online presence that if you're not able to be in the room, you can still engage with our church. You can still connect with our church. While we've got limited numbers of seats in the room, we've got unlimited number of seats online. You can invite as many people. We can reach people around the world with the good news of Christ through this technology. Part of what you're going to see whenever we finish the stage in a few weeks is you're going to see why we're doing it. It's not only to enhance what we do in here, but also what we do online. So take your seat. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but get together even more as the day of the Lord approaches. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 the second thing I need you to do is invite someone to sit with you. Invite someone. Come and sit with me. I wrote myself some thoughts here in my notes, if I can actually turn the page. And it it's called The Three Knots. And in Luke, Luke's commentary, uh, or in uh, the Gospel of Luke, we've read about this great banquet. But I like how N.T. Wright puts it in his commentary on the Gospel of Luke. It's called Luke for Everyone. He said, it isn't enough to say that we ourselves are the people dragged in from the country lanes to our surprise to enjoy God's party. That may be true, but party guests are then expected to become party hosts in their turn. That's your job, to not just say, I'm so grateful, I'm shocked that I'm here. You're not just a guest, you're now a host Go and invite someone. Come sit with me. And so there are things I call three knots that'll help you to identify when somebody is ready for an invitation. Maybe you hear someone in your life say, I'm not satisfied. And then they fill in the blank. Something in their life's not going right. Something in their life has let them down. Something in their life has disappointed them. When you hear that not, I'm not satisfied, you ought to say, listen, I've been there. And I'll tell you what really helps me It's my relationship with Jesus. And why don't you come and sit with me? The second I'm not is not just I'm not satisfied, I'm not prepared for. Maybe you hear a person talking and they admit, I'm not prepared for. Could be a new parent. I am not prepared for this. Hey, I've been there. I understand. Come. Our church loves being an extended community of faith for families. Why don't you come? You'll love it, it'll be helpful. I'm not prepared for it. I'm not prepared for college. I'm not prepared for this health crisis I'm going through. I'm not prepared for whatever it might be. When you hear that not, invite them. Come sit with me. Or I'm not from here. Hey, I'm new to Jacksonville. I'm not from Jacksonville. Or I'm not from this area of Jacksonville. I'm new. Oh, welcome. Why don't you come sit with me? Come sit with me. So I want you to take just a moment of your time and write down that name. And while you do that, I want to ask you to watch this video as well as you're thinking about that name. You know, I love our church. We have so many ministries that we consider to be ministries of intervention. Ministries that come alongside people when they've hit rock bottom or they're struggling or they've got a problem they're dealing with or there's a grief in their life and we come alongside of them. Ministries like Celebrate Recovery that helps people no matter what their hurt, habit, or hang up. Or our Faithful and True Support Group that helps men fight sexual addiction. An addiction to pornography. Or maybe it's a divorce care or a grief share or our pastoral counseling ministry with Dr. Kyle. We love ministries of intervention, coming alongside people, intervening in those intersections of their problem and their pain with the hope and healing of Jesus. But can I tell you what, we don't celebrate enough? Because it's kind of hard to celebrate. Not just that we have ministries of intervention but ministries of prevention. Whenever I was baptized at the age of 12 years old, I will always remember Pastor Frank O'Brien making this statement. As I stood in the water and he presented me to the congregation before he baptized me, he said something along these lines, church family, thank you for reaching this young man for Christ. We will never know how many scars in life he will miss that we still bear because he came to Christ early. When we didn't. It's hard to make a video about the marriages that didn't fall apart. It's hard to make a video about the teenagers that didn't get hooked on drugs or alcohol. Or didn't harm themselves because of their low self-esteem or their body image issues. It's hard to make videos about teenagers who didn't turn away from the faith and lose faith in God. It's hard to make videos about the lives that were spared a lot of pain. But you start thinking about the difference Christ could make in someone's life, and you'll be eager to invite them to come sit with me and experience the grace and mercy of God. And as you think about that person, I want you to imagine even now before they come, I want you to imagine what it's going to be like when they finally show up. Man, you're going to be more in tune to how they're greeted as they get here, if they can find the right door in this place to show up. You're you're going to be thinking about, is it too hot or is it too cold in the room? You're going to be thinking about, man, I hope they like that song. You're going to be thinking, as I get up to preach, man, I hope he's not preaching on tithing today. (laughs) And You're going to be praying. But I want you to imagine in your mind's eye them walking through that door, being greeted with a smile. I want you to imagine them tapping their foot to the music. I want you to imagine them thinking, man, these are just normal people like me. This isn't as scary as I thought it was. I want you to imagine them hearing a message from God's word that is biblical, but it's also relevant to what they're facing. And they're thinking to themselves, how did he know I needed to hear that today? And I want you to imagine what it's going to be like when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they come to faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior, imagine your joy when you see them get baptized as a public declaration of their faith in the crucified, buried, resurrected Jesus and the new life he's made possible for them. Or if they've already trusted Christ as they rededicate themselves to him in living on mission for Christ. Let's go from wishing to inviting Next week will be an easy way to invite people. I'm starting a new series. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I'm looking forward to it. It's called uh, Sitting in a Tree. You say, what a weird title. Come on, don't you remember when you were a kid? Ricky and Donna sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage. Remember that? So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about love, relationships, relationships dating, marriage, and parenting. And I want you to invite people to come. As you make your way out the back door today, I want you to drop that card off where you're gonna let me pray with you about your one. And I want you to pick up, if you'd like, some of these little invitation cards. It's got the sitting in a tree on one side, a description and the times of our services and our website on the back side leave that with a generous tip and invite your waitress today uh, to come to church with us next Sunday. Did you hear a generous tip. If it's not at least 20%, don't leave my card. (laughs) I worked at a restaurant. I know what that job is. 20% is the beginning point. And then I want you to invite your neighbors, your friends, your family, come sit with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this reminder today that we are blessed to have been invited by your grace to the banquet of grace through our gracious host, you, our God, Jesus, our Lord, and our Savior. Thank you, God, that we were invited by grace and not by merit. And we thank you for the difference you have made and are making in our lives as we get to worship you and celebrate you and love you and be in your presence. And the closer we get to you, the more we get changed in good ways. Thank you for that, Jesus. But God, thank you for this reminder today that we're not just guests at this banquet. We are also to be hosts. We're to go out and invite people. Come and sit with me. Come and receive this invitation from the gracious host, our God himself. So thank you, Father, for that. I pray that you would bless each one of us as we seek to live on mission for you and we go all in with what you're doing in this world and through this church we call Fort Caroline Baptist Church. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room today or anyone watching or listening online who needs Jesus as their Savior, that right now they would turn from their sin, believe in Christ, his his sacrificial death, his resurrected life, place their confidence in him and him alone, for the forgiveness of their sin. And then God, help us to rejoice with them as they let us know today, today I've committed my life to Christ. Maybe they'll leave a comment today uh, on Facebook or YouTube, or maybe they'll uh, talk to us at the back door today, or maybe they'll let us know by filling out that Let's Connect card. God, we want to rejoice with them as they accept your gracious invitation to your banquet of grace and love and mercy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. God bless you.